like that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all had a fantastic week up until this point. I hope you are ready for it to get even better because your ears are being tuned in to the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all, again, are having a good day. Don't know how to repeat it myself. It doesn't matter. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure to follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman, Instagram account Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search The Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And the most important thing you can do, make sure you follow and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. And make sure to leave a rating out of five stars on both and make sure to leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Obviously, I don't expect a five-star rating, but if you are, would be so kind as to give the show a five-star rating, I would greatly appreciate that. And, of course, you can check out links to everything on theloganblackmanshow.com. You can check out blog posts. We have a blog post coming out for you on the 12th of February, the day after the Super Bowl. Exciting times. Exciting times. And as you heard on Wednesday's show, we know who the championship matchups are. We don't know necessarily who the Super Bowl is, but... We know what the championship matchups are. We got the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Detroit Lions. We got the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's kind of funny how things have kind of turned on their heads <laughs> for a large portion of everybody out there. And I didn't even think about this till today. I really didn't think about this till today. How the Chiefs, when they first got to the Super Bowl, that first one, where, you know, but well, let's take it back a little bit. Like, so the year before, when they lost to the Patriots, when Frank Clark or D4, I can't remember which one it was because they made a trade that offseason. I, I don't remember who was who, but they the offsides against the Patriots. Obviously, the Patriots go on to win the game. Chiefs come back, go on to win the Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers, which could be a possibility this time around as well. But you go on to win the Super Bowl against the Niners. And, like, at that point in time, everybody was like, man, this would be so cool for the Kansas City Chiefs to go on and win a Super Bowl. This would be so cool. This is one of the original teams in the NFL. They were in Super Bowl three, or they were tied in Super Bowl two, I should say. Or were they in the first? They were in the first Super Bowl, weren't they? <laughs> they won. So the first Super Bowl was Packers Chiefs. Packers won. Next one was Packers Raiders, I believe. Then Super Bowl three was Colts Jets, and then Super Bowl four, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Minnesota Vikings. Super Bowl five, the Colts beat the Cowboys, and then you know what? I'm lost from there. But you know what? That's all that matters is that we got the first five. But this is a team that went to a Super Bowl, the first ever one, lost, came back a few years later, won the fourth Super Bowl, and then in the 90s, in the 80s for a certain portion of time, but in the 90s, they were like close. They had Marty Schottenheimer there, you had Derek Thomas, you had the likes of Christian Okoye, you had Joe freaking Montana coming to quarterback the team. Like, you had some good moments in the 90s, but in the 2000s, it just didn't really work out. As Brady and I were talking about last week, like, the Chiefs went from having the likes of Brody Croyle and Matt Castle to Patrick frickin' Mahomes. Like, times have changed, but at that first moment, when the Chiefs won that Super Bowl against San Francisco 49ers, everyone was like, oh man, this is so cool. Because also, in around that time, the Chiefs had an insane drought. It makes zero sense. They didn't have a playoff losing drought. They had a playoff losing drought at home. They could not win a home playoff game. There were so many weird games throughout those 20 years or so, where the Chiefs just couldn't figure out how to win at home. And now, as we have learned, they, <laughs> they this is their second ever road playoff game with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. They have gone to six straight 
AFC Championship games. Hosted five straight AFC Championship games. Have gone to three Super Bowls and won two of them. But at that 2018 Super Bowl, or 2019 Super Bowl, sorry, because 2018 was Mahomes' first year starting, and that was the offsides against the Patriots, and the next year was the Super Bowl year. But you have that to now. Like, every, I saw a graphic today of, it was the Ravens, it was the Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader battle in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And Darth Vader standing there and had a Chiefs logo over. Obi-Wan Kenobi had the Ravens logo over him. And not only that, they had all the other NFL teams standing behind them as well. It was like that stupid scene in The Last Jedi, or The Rise of Skywalker, where it was all the Jedi are in me, and it's just all the Jedi talking to Rey before she defeats Palpatine. It was kind of like one of those things. Where at one point in time, the Chiefs were like the darling team in the NFL. This is a long story franchise that had a lot of struggles recently. Now they got Patrick Mahomes, now they're going to the AFC Championship game. Oh, you lost to Brady, whatever. A lot of teams lose to Tom Brady in the AFC Championship games. I mean, the dude went to nine freaking Super Bowls. Won six of them in New England. Obviously, won another one in Tampa Bay. But now we're sitting here looking at the world completely different. And it's not even five years ago. That's the crazy part. Or it might be five years ago now. Four or five years ago. doesn't matter. Okay, let's just make it easy. We're not even a decade out. (laughs) And the whole world views the Chiefs so differently. But the same thing could be safe for the New England Patriots back in the day. When Tom Brady and Bill Belichick arrived in New England, the thought process of the Patriots was like, oh, they had a couple years. Like, they went to the 85 Super Bowl, got piss-pounded by the Bears. They went to the Super Bowl in 95 against the Packers, 96-95, I can't remember which one. He lost to the Packers. Brett Favre obviously had the, the throw down the middle of the field to Andre Risen. You lose that game. So two Super Bowls throughout that entire century. Like, it just, the Patriots just weren't seen as anything. There's some years the Patriots had two wins, one win. Like, the Colts-Patriots game before Brady and Manning were a thing was one of the worst games in the National Football League. And it's crazy to think about that now because the Colts-Patriots, for a lot of us, was the rivalry. I mean, hell, look, last Sunday it was Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, the new Brady-Manning rivalry. Could you imagine that back in the 70s? What, Steve Grogan versus Art Schleister? Like, <laughs> what? Steve Gronigan, sorry, versus Art Schleister? With these trash-ass teams? And those were, I don't even know if those quarterbacks lined up together, but it's just funny to think about that. Like, it's just crazy how fast things change, and the Patriots turned into the most hated franchise in the NFL. It's crazy. Absolute craziness. But I have, there's this trend also on social media, speaking of the Patriots, turning into this hated franchise for going to nine Super Bowls. The, there's a uh, show how loyal are you trend and there's Patriots fans that are actually posting stuff. I don't know if they're like 15 years old or something like that, but Hey, Patriots fans step down, step down and let the real teams that let the real fans that have struggled throughout their entire lives. Talk about it. You do not say anything. It was somebody like losses in Super Bowls. Cool. You won more of them. It's not like you needed any more Super Bowls. You have the most Super Bowls of all time jointly with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and all of your Super Bowls have come in this century. The Steelers have six. The Patriots have six. The Niners have five. So there's a chance the Niners can jointly bring it up to six with the Patriots and the Steelers. Like the Steelers and Niners, two of the most historic franchises in NFL history, and then the Patriots team that's been good for, how long was Brady in New England? 18 years? 19 years? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> but things just change so fast. Things change so fast in the era we are in in regards to sports media 
We've got to find something new to talk about every freaking day. And we can turn on people like that. Or we can switch opinions like that. So if, if anything, if you could say anything about the Logan Blackman show, I just hope one thing you can take away from the show, then at least I'm consistent. And if I'm wrong, I will say I'm wrong. And we will go back and we'll talk about it. I'll make fun of myself. But a lot of these shows just seemingly have no shame. Like, we can go from, like, how quickly we went from the Kansas City Chiefs to loving, the, liking the Kansas City Chiefs to hating the Kansas City Chiefs, unless you're from the state of Iowa and you always hated the Chiefs. Going from that to now we are sitting here talking about, so remember those five years ago when Brady beat the Kansas City Chiefs, did you think five years after that offsides call that we would be talking about Patrick Mahomes now being the greatest quarterback of all time? Like, I was on Twitter today, and I saw Nick Wright talking about this with Colin Coward, and it's, it's Nick Wright and Colin Coward, the kings of quick reactionary takes, or takes that will just drive up listeners, drive up views, not necessarily giving a shit on how accurate it is. Colin Coward, talking to Nick Wright, said, what if in 30 years we view Brady as Bill Russell? Because remember, Bill Russell won 12, what, 11 championships, 12 championships, I can't remember which one it was, had Red Arbaugh, arguably the greatest basketball coach in NBA history, was part of the greatest franchise of all time in NBA history in the Boston Celtics at the time as well, the best players. Like, that's what we're going to view Tom Brady as, according to them. Like, now we are sitting here talking about, like, comparing Patrick Mahomes' stats in his first 17 playoff games and Tom Brady's first 17 playoff games or whatever. Like, if it stopped and ended, if Tom Brady's reign of terror stopped and ended (laughs) after... 17 playoff games, then yeah, we might be able to have a conversation. But a lot of shit happened after that. I'm pretty sure Tom Brady had three Super Bowl championships before he lost his first playoff game. If I'm remembering correctly, I didn't look this up beforehand. I should have probably done that, but I didn't think I would bring up the three Super Bowls in because he missed the playoffs his second year when he was the starter. This second year as a starter for New England, they went nine and seven. They won the Super Bowl, obviously, his first year when they beat the Rams. And the fun fact, the tuck rule game, which people kind of forget about this or scape over it, the tuck rule game was not the AFC Championship game. That was the divisional round. The AFC Championship game, they wanted to play Pittsburgh. So that kind of gets glossed over in history. But he missed the playoffs the next year. In the next two years, he wins two Super Bowls again. Beats the Panthers and Eagles. He won three Super Bowls before losing one singular playoff game. And I'm not sitting here and saying that wins and losses are quarterback sex. They're not. But when everybody throws up these graphics on if Patrick Mahomes is now the greatest quarterback of all time, like Tom Brady had to beat the Falcons for Super Bowl number five to be crowned the GOAT. He needed five Super Bowls to pass Joe Montana. Then he was the GOAT. And that's what I said he was the GOAT. That 28-3 comeback, Tom Brady's the GOAT. I think I even tweeted it. Like that was it. And I grew up hating Tom Brady, but I've also grown to respect Tom Brady because of what he did in the NFL. Like, people want to compare these limited quarterbacks to Tom Brady and forget Tom Brady, though drafted in the sixth round, pick 199, had an absolute hose for an arm. People kind of forget about that. That kind of gets glossed over in history as well. Tom Brady could throw the absolute piss out of the ball. He won a Super Bowl with zero (laughs) Pro Bowl receivers and all pro receivers. I think it was the Panthers one. While Jake DeLome, quarterback for the Panthers, I think scored 29 points. Jake DeLome and the Carolina Panthers 
Let me read that. Jake DeLome scored 29 points in the Super Bowl. Like, I understand Patrick Mahomes is great. I'm fine putting Patrick Mahomes at five. Like, I've talked about this about four or five, six times on the show about where Patrick Mahomes ranks in the great pantheon of quarterbacks in NFL history. But come on. He's won two Super Bowls. Yes, he's gone to three. He's gone six straight AFC Championship games. That's awesome stuff. He's definitely on his way to being that. But let's settle down and trying to discredit Tom Brady for what he's done up to this point when he's a year out of the league. Like, the body's still warm. <laughs> the 49ers this past offseason tried to get Tom Brady in. Like Kyle Shanahan, this is a report. I don't know if it's actually true. You know, this kind of stuff. That's kind of what we're talking about now. I don't know if it's true or not. Apparently, Brock Purdy talked about it, but I haven't seen a clip of Brock Purdy talking about it. Of Shanahan saying, if we can get Brady, we're going to get Brady. And Purdy was like, yeah, he's the GOAT. I understand. Which is a good mentality to have from Purdy. But the body, he's, he was a, there was a chance he could have played this year. Then it all ended when he bought a stake in the Raiders because he can't play and own a team. That's not possible, and it's not legal either. But, like, he's not even technically fully out. He hasn't even made the Hall of Fame yet. And we're already trying to say Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time because that will get people talking. And to the 15-year-olds that run these Twitter accounts, they'll run and eat it up because they don't remember Tom Brady's first Super Bowls. Like, they don't remember that. And then I've seen a lot, of, a lot of other things like Patrick Mahomes' two playoff losses both come to Tom Brady. Or two of Tom Brady's 2-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. He's 13-1 and against everybody else. He's 0-2 against Brady. And that was like people's default. Tom Brady's the GOAT because he beat Patrick Mahomes twice in the playoffs. And then people brought up Eli Manning beating Tom Brady in two Super Bowls. And like we talked about the 17 playoff games, that argument holds weight if Eli Manning had another sustained run of dominance. He didn't. Eli Manning, solid quarterback, good quarterback, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback and all that. Mostly for what he did in the playoffs, not what he did in the regular season, but mostly what he did in the playoffs. Especially in those Super Bowls. Like two Super Bowl MVPs. That's damn impressive against the New England Patriots. It's pretty damn impressive, especially the first one being against the 16-0 Patriots. Only the greatest football team of all time. Like if Eli Manning did more than Tom Brady or did anything close to Tom Brady, then yeah, we can have that discussion. Eli Manning and his teams beat the Patriots twice, but that was it. Tom Brady beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl and then had other accolades on top of that. It's not thus that he has two wins against Patrick Mahomes. Like, he doesn't stop with that. There's so much more to the story than just that. The dude has, I can't, like, I never thought growing up I would be sitting here defending Tom Brady. But the dude has gone to 10 Super Bowls. Do people wrap their head around that? He's won seven of them. Tom Brady was the quarterback for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that just saw Jameis Winston complete one of the first 30 for 30 seasons in NFL history. You know what happened the next offseason? They went on to win a Super Bowl. And the argument that Nick Wright and Bill, or Bill Belichick, Nick Wright and uh, Colin Coward are making is that Brady and Belichick's rings are intertwined. No, they're not. I think if you asked anybody out in the street, Brady gets 90% of the credit for the Super Bowls. It's not intertwined. It's Tom Brady. It's not. I appreciate everything Bill Belichick did in his time. And like we said, when Bill Belichick got fired or parted ways with the New England Patriots, which, crazy enough, he didn't even get the Falcons job. Raheem Morris got that, which, good hire. I think Raheem Morris is a very good hire. That was one of our predictions we made. I don't know if we actually talked about that on the show. 
which is funny if I'm saying that I didn't actually talk about it because I had it written down. But I guess if we didn't talk about it, then that just looks really stupid. But when Bill Belichick was stepping down or parting ways or getting fired or whatever from the Patriots, like you have, like I can give him credit as the greatest coach of all time for what he did in those Super Bowls against the Bills, completely shutting down Thurman Thomas. As defensive mind, yeah, he's the greatest defensive coach of all time. But there definitely comes a question when we're talking about the greatest coach of all time. And a name I didn't even bring up last time, which is something stupid because I always like this guy, or talking about this guy, Joe Gibbs. He won three Super Bowls in three different decades with three different quarterbacks. That is insane. <laughs> Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, and Mark Rippon. One of them was against the Bills. They won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks in three different decades. How impressive is that? That is damn impressive, isn't it? So I think Joe Gibbs has to be mentioned in there. Andy Reid's got to be mentioned in there, obviously, which is crazy to think about given what he was what he was ran out of town in Philadelphia. And then you've obviously got Bill Walsh, coach of the 49ers, uh, Don Shula, coach of the Dolphins, and Colts. People kind of forget about the Colts team. He was the coach when Johnny Unitas was there. And Earl Morrill, which is why he came to Miami when Don Shula became the coach of the 72 Dolphins. Who else we got in there? Um, uh, uh, George Hallis. Forgot about George Hallis. Then you got Ro- uh, Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> Vince Lombardi. Got him. Like, there's a lot of coaches you can talk about, but I think, like, I don't, would you definitively, can we definitively say Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time? Because I think when Brady went to Tampa, that kind of changed a lot of people's perspectives on it. And as I've said on the show a thousand times, when Brady set out for the New England Patriots, I never felt like we were playing the Patriots. Like, every time the Bills beat the Patriots, it was always in the latter parts of the season. They beat them a few times when Brady was there, but those latter parts of the season where all the stars are resting, my dad always used to say, they didn't beat the Patriots, they didn't beat Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I've talked about this before, instilled the fear of God in every single fan out there. I will never fear anybody like that again. Like Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs? Yeah, I do that. I will fear Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. But like I've said, and it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but the Bills have beaten the Chiefs the last three times they played in the regular season. The Bills never beat the Patriots three times in a row ever, let alone the playoffs, regular season, whatever. The Bills beat the Patriots. Tom Brady was there, I think, three total times. <laughs> let alone three times in a row. And that's not me trying to slight Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying anything. Ne- I'm not trying to say anything negative about him. It's just that I fear Tom Brady to such an extent that I would not even fear say, I would not even dare say anything negative about him just in case there was a bug in my house hearing me say something bad about Tom. They'll report back to him, and then all of a sudden the Bills lose by 50 points. Like, let's stop disrespecting Tom Brady because it's popular right now. He has been out of the league for a year. Patrick Mahomes is great. I can make an argument Patrick Mahomes is the fourth best quarterback of all time. Just depends on how you want to look at it with Elway. Because Elway won two Super Bowls. Granted, they were the last two years of his career. But he went to five. Got shit stomped in at least two of them. But you know what? He went to five Super Bowls. Won two of them. Was the prototype for the quarterback back in the day. So you can make an argument because he lost three Super Bowls in his first, like, heyday with the Broncos. And that's another one people kind of forget about. that He was the first person, really... That said, I don't want to play for your team. He got drafted by the Colts. People, Some people forget about that. He got drafted by the Colts. He didn't get drafted by the Broncos. He demanded a trade, said, I'm going to go play baseball for the Yankees. 
Colts drafted him anyways. But it wasn't like the draft now where they made John Elway stand on stage. Like they were in a freaking hotel lobby. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, a, it wasn't the most exciting time. And the commissioner, Pete Rosella, would go on stage. He'd say the name in this really, hey, cornerback, John Elway, Stanford University. Like it was like the, it wasn't the most exciting broadcast of all time, but it was funny back then. But it'd been even funnier if John Elway had to stand on stage holding the Colts jersey <laughs> like Eli Manning once had to do. But man, it it, it really great. And Nick Wright, I mean, to his credit, I just I don't like Nick Wright at all. But if you're going for this niche of being this insufferable person that just goes. What can drive the most attention? Nick Wright's probably the best at his job. If we're looking at it like that. Apart from that, he sucks. <laughs> Absolutely sucks. But with that, I want to continue on this topic of just putting stuff out for like clicks and attention. Because this is a common trend that we're getting at right now in our media landscape. And I understand why. Because if you say something that infuriates a lot of people, they're going to share it around and go, look at this dickhead. Like, that's a lot of the things people do nowadays. Like, rarely anybody agrees with anything anymore on social media. It's rare. Very rare. Especially if you make lists. It rarely happens. Pros- like, for me, like, prospect rankings. Like, like when we do the quarterback rankings, I have people commenting on my, my Twitter posts, my Instagram posts. Not all the time, but I get some comments on there. Mostly talking about J.J. McCarthy. Which, again, you're not actually watching J.J. McCarthy. You're looking at the stats. Because his stats are not even close to being comparable with the other quarterbacks in this draft class. But watch how he throws the ball. Watch him. Watch him. But you'll get people on there like J.J. McCarthy, question mark, LOL. C.J. Stroud, LOL, question mark. Like like when he was a Heisman candidate. His freshman year at Ohio State. Same thing. You'll rarely get people to agree with you on social media. But there's one page on social media that I see every week (laughs) in college football and that's Big Game Boomer. I don't know where this account spawned from. You might not be familiar with this account, but I see it every gosh darn weekend. I'm not lying. And even now, I see it now. Like, he's mostly a college college account. I mean, you could kind of figure that out because Big Game Boomer, Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma, all that stuff. You could probably figure that one out. But he made a top 50. He made three top 50 lists that I've seen so far. But this is the one that infuriated me the most. We'll talk about the other two. I don't really have general issues with them, but we'll, I haven't looked at them fully. I've just seen the top 10 of the other two. Or the top 10 of one of them, at least. But this is the top 50 greatest quarterbacks of all time. And for somebody, I don't want to say like I'm a complete expert or anything, but I like to think I know my way. And I'm not saying I'm a great quarterback in general. No. But I know the position. I know, at least I like to think I do. And I'm not saying that I'm right with these picks. Like if I disagree with them, you don't necessarily have to disagree with them, but that's just how I'm feeling about it. But I'm the one with the microphone. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was with Brady last week, and I saw this list, and I, I was gonna bring it up when Brady not when Brady was on, and I was gonna bring it up on Tuesday, but I ranted so much about the Bills Chiefs game and all the other playoff games, I completely forgot about it. So, and we talked about the draft and all that stuff. So I I ended up scrapping it, but we were gonna talk about it, but now we, we we've delayed it a week, pretty much. But here's the top fifty greatest quarterbacks of all time. And the top five, you know, pretty bog standard. Uh, Brady, Manning, Montana, Mahomes, Elway. I think that's pretty... 
I don't know. I'd flip a few around. I'd put Montana over Manning, and I'd put Elway over Mahomes. But, again, you could make argument. I'm not sitting here like you have to die on those hills. I'm not going to die on those hills or anything, no. But that's how I would rank him. Then you look a little bit further, Johnny Unitas, fair. I mean, back at the time, that time, he was he was really revolutionary in regards to throwing the football. Like, that was the prototype, was Johnny Unitas at that time. No one was doing it like Johnny Unitas. And the Pittsburgh Steelers at that time, too, had Len Dawson, Johnny Unitas, and they kept John Hadle, who should not have been with the Steelers at the time because at that moment in history in the NFL, young players were not really viewed like they are now. Like, you look at the Green Bay Packers, a team that's the youngest team in the NFL. That was, like, an anomaly back then. Like, no one wanted to stockpile picks. The draft was relatively useless for the people that thought that way back then. So you bring in a 30-plus-year-old John Hadle, who's the quarterback of the Chargers teams with Lance Allworth, and you get rid of Johnny Unitas and Len Dawson. No disrespect to John Hadle, but Johnny Unitas and <laughs> Len Dawson have won Super Bowls and are in the Hall of Fame. Len Dawson was the quarterback of the Chiefs team that won Super Bowl four. just so you're aware. And then 7, 8, 9, 10, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Dan Marino, Brett Favre, and then Dr- Troy Aikman. I never have Troy Aikman in top 10. I think Troy Aikman is the most overrated quarterback of all time. At least one of them. Like, yeah, I understand three Super Bowls. Cool. Three Super Bowls is nice. Yeah. Uh, he has less passing touchdowns than Josh Allen. Right now. I'm not saying total touchdowns. I'm saying passing touchdowns. Yeah, Troy Aikman has less passing touchdowns than Josh Allen. But he he was a part of a team that had the all-time leading rusher. Michael Irvin, the greatest offensive line of all time. Uh, yeah. I would hope he'd win three Super Bowls. I, it's very rare where I say you could put pretty much any quarterback on that team and they would have won three Super Bowls because you could have. <laughs> Jim Kelly is better than Troy Aikman. But Jim Kelly lost four Super Bowls twice to Troy Aikman. I, I, the, Jim Kelly and his, the Bills offense, Kagan offense, was revolutionary in regards to they were the not the originators, but they popularized the no-huddle offense. Jim Kelly called his own plays. Like, that was the thing the Bills did. That's what made them special. That AFC Championship game, the first one, when they went to the first Super Bowl against Belichick and the Giants, well, Parcells and the Giants, but, you know, Belichick was the D coordinator. They beat the Raiders 51-3. to Imagine watching a championship game and seeing one team absolutely blitz the other one by 48 points. (laughs) I I have Jim Kelly above Troy Aikman. If I'm putting a top 10... I'm putting Steve Young in the top 10. And we brought that up the other day about how Steve Young at that time was arguably the most athletic quarterback in the NFL. So obviously Randall Cunningham was around at that time, but he was slowly not the same Randall Cunningham that we saw with the Eagles early on. But he's still a good quarterback when he got to the Vikings, obviously the 15-1 and team that lost the Falcons at NFC Championship game. But Steve Young was also the most athletic quarterback in the NFL, also being the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. But it just didn't happen. And he replaced Joe Montana. Like, that just didn't, that just stuff didn't happen. I put B, what, Steve Young above Troy Aikman. I put Steve Young above Warren Moon. I like Warren Moon, too. Because Warren Moon, if you're going about the great pantheon of quarterbacks, Warren Moon won five Grey Cups in Canada before coming down to the United States and dominating, playing really well with the Houston Oilers. And obviously played for the Vikings and Seahawks in there as well. But he had, again, a very good offense. Not like players-wise, but Warren Moon... We talk about the run-and-shoot offense. Warren Moon was the guy for the run-and-shoot offense back in the 80s and 90s. Like, that offense ran through Warren Moon. And he had a great statistical year in Minnesota, too. I think he was the quarterback when Randall Cunningham got there originally. And then Randall Cunningham took over because I think Warren Moon got hurt, but I can't remember. 
I'm not Warren Moon definitely deserves a spot in the top 20. But that run and shoot offense, man, that Warren Moon made that thing zip. <laughs> Warren Moon was a beast. Uh, Drew Brees, I mean, he's got like three or four, five thousand yard seasons. Fair. <laughs> he's probably the most accurate quarterback in NFL history, too. Especially coming off right shoulder surgery that was supposed to be a career ender. Like the Chargers drafted Phillip Rivers, or dra- they drafted Eli Manning. So they were going to replace Drew Brees with Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers. Didn't matter. And then they had to figure out the situation because Drew Brees started balling after they drafted Phillip Rivers. <laughs> He didn't start sucking like, you know, like, not sucking, but like Gardner Minshew when the Jaguars drafted Trevor Lawrence. Like, they, there was no way they were not putting Trevor Lawrence in. A different situation, I know, but a li- relatively, I mean, Drew Brees just at that time just wasn't the Drew Brees that we saw in New Orleans. He wasn't, and that's the facts. Drew Brees would probably even say that. But Danian Tomlinson, though, famously says if, Adrian, or, uh, if Drew Brees didn't get hurt, that Chargers team... In 06, when LaDainian Tomlinson won the MVP, they would have won the Super Bowl. They went 14-2 and with a basically rookie quarterback. And some mistakes happened in the divisional round against the Patriots, and they ended up losing. But again, a lot of teams lost to Tom Brady in the playoffs, so it's, it's, not, it's not, uh, not too much upsetting. But yeah, I think all the, all the quarterbacks we mentioned are better than Troy Aikman. Terry Bradshaw, four Super Bowls with the Steelers. Yeah. Didn't start off great in Pittsburgh. He got benched a couple times for... Uh, Oh, crap. What was his name? He went to Grambling State. What was his name? It doesn't matter. He had a sick throwing motion, though. <laughs> but he didn't get along with Chuck Knoll. He didn't. So it's kind of a back and forth with him. And then, But they ended up winning four Super Bowls out of it. Had some great receivers, obviously. Had Franco Harris there, too. Uh, Roger Staubach, one of the first real mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. And Captain America, obviously the Dallas Cowboys. He also threw the first ever Hail Mary in NFL history. He coined it, I should say, through to Drew Pearson against the Minnesota Vikings. Some questionable non-pass interference calls in there. But, you know, revolutionary in regards to, again, that first mobile quarterback. And he replaced a pretty damn good quarterback, too, in, uh, crap. Not Craig Morton. He competed with Craig Morton because he beat Craig Morton in the Super Bowl with the Broncos. He played in the Ice Bowl. He was number 17. What was his name? I don't matter. But Roger Staubach, great quarterback, too, from the Navy, too. Like a sixth or seventh round draft pick, too. Uh, Bart Starr, another late-round draft pick. I think he was like a 15th-round draft pick. <laughs> Obviously won all the Super Bowls with the Packers, won the first two Super Bowls, won some NFL, championship, NFL championships before that, too. Yeah, probably the first big-name quarterback. No, 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 not the first. There's probably – there's – where is he coming up at? Is he on here? Oh, yeah, he's coming up here. Um, Otto Graham. Yeah, that's uh, probably the first star quarterback in the NFL. But we also had around that time Norm Van Brocklin, Bob Waterfield, who – Norbert Brocklin's on. Both are on here. And then uh, John Hadel. I mean, John Hadel was good. I don't want to take anything away from John Hadel, but just not when he went to Pittsburgh and replaced two Hall of Famers. But Otto Graham were number 60 with the Cleveland Browns. They won so many championships before the merger. It's insane. Him and Jim Brown. And he won championships before Jim Brown. So he, if I remember correctly, he might have. Yeah, yeah. But he wore number 60 and 14. But 60 is the number I will always look at him with. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is actually above Otto Graham. Uh, two Super Bowls. He went 13-0 and his rookie year. Replaced Tommy Maddox. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, good quarterback. Very good quarterback. Um, Next, this is where we start having a little bit of issue here. So I don't have a general issue with the players we mentioned. Maybe not the order. But uh, number 20 is Michael Vick. And if you know me, I love myself some Michael Vick. I think Michael Vick, like he was the first quarterback to be the most electrifying player on the field. Like, 
he was the guy. He was the most electrifying football player on the field at all times. It was the first time we ever saw a quarterback do that. He was really one of the first shorter quarterbacks that got drafted first overall. Like he kind of changed the narrative around that. Got drafted first overall in 2001. Chargers couldn't get a good deal with, done with him. And what's funny, the Chargers ended up trading back with the Falcons, drafting LaDainian Tomlinson. They got Drew Brees in the second round, first pick of the second round. So, I mean, it all worked out. Michael Vick was a star in Atlanta. But Michael Vick was not the most consistent passer. I'm not even going to talk about the off-the-field stuff. But as far as the quarterback goes, Michael Vick has probably the strongest arm in NFL history, <laughs> at least top five. That dude could throw the shit out of the football. Zipped everywhere. The problem was he had zero touch. <laughs> and that ball either sailed or got pile-drived right through the freaking ground. But watch that NFC, the NFC Divisional Round game against Green Bay Packers. That's one of the best games ever. I think it was the I think it was the Packers' first ever. I could be wrong with the the ever part, but first ever home playoff loss was against Michael second year Michael Vick or third year Michael Vick, and obviously got the game against the Vikings in the playoffs too, where he had that huge run in overtime. I think it was the playoffs. That might have that might not have been the playoffs, but but Vick was awesome. And then in Philly, he was a way better passer. Like he developed into such a good passer. In Philly, if that version of Michael Vick in Philly was the same Michael Vick we saw throughout his entire career, then yeah, we're talking about a top 20 quarterback. But right now, we can't. you can't say that. You can't. Like, the, my other problem with this is Lamar Jackson's not on here. And Lamar Jackson is better than Michael Vick. So why is Lamar not on here and Vick is? And you can't say it's because he's playing right now because Mahomes is on here and there's a few other currently playing guys on here. Like, Vick is not better than Lamar Jackson. He's not. Maybe as a star. I mean, Michael Vick was like, dude, he was like, like he had a massive-ass contract. He had Nike commercials. Like, Lamar didn't have Nike commercials. He, had, he had threw a freaking football out of the Rose Bowl. Like, or the Coliseum. I can't remember which one. Like, Vick was everywhere. But top 20? In regards to revolutionary, yes. But all-time, just general quarterback play, no. Phillip Rivers is 21. I mean, I think that might be a little high, but... I like myself some Phillip Rivers. I like Phillip Rivers. On a couple underachieving Chargers teams for a little bit. Some frustrating Chargers teams. Uh, Fran Tarkin in 21, or 22, sorry. Fran Tarkenton, another guy, like Roger Staubach, very mobile guy, was on the Vikings originally. He went to the Giants then. They were like, hey, get your ass back here. <laughs> and the, he went to a few Super Bowls with the Vikings, didn't win them, but I would have Fran Tarkenton probably a little higher. Like, again, we're talking about people that were big for their time, and also put up really good, like, passing numbers when that wasn't really a thing at that time. But he was also very mobile. When the when the quarterback position was not needed to do that, Staubach and Fran Tarkington were those guys. Ironically, I'm pretty, well, I'm pretty sure, Fran Tarkington was the quarterback for the Vikings team that lost in the Hail Mary play with Bud Grant. And that was a great Vikings team, great Vikings defense, purple people eaters and all that. But Fran Tarkington was an awesome quarterback. Uh, Eli. Talk about him. Most of his success comes in the playoffs. I agree that Phillip Rivers is better than him, but I also think Phillip Rivers is better than Ben. But I'm not going to sit here and like argue that, like die on that hill, because Ben obviously has a couple Super Bowls in there. But Eli, two Super Bowl championships, two Super Bowl MVPs, both against the Patriots, but the regular season stuff just didn't always match up with his post. Eli Manning is a great postseason quarterback. Not even mention the word. He is a great postseason quarterback. Regular season, though, 
it's kind of iffy iffy. But top 50, yeah, I, he belongs in the top 50 for sure. Uh, 24, Jim Kelly, he needs to be higher. Again, we talk about the no-huddle offense, calling his own plays and stuff like that. Four straight Super Bowls. Lost them all, but four straight Super Bowls. But, hey, Jim Kelly, I think, needs to be a little bit higher on this list. Russell Wilson, 25. And we're talking about strictly Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> Russell Wilson saved a lot of Seahawks teams. I understand he's not necessarily buddy-buddy with a lot of the players on those Seahawks teams, but still, he helped save that team numerous times. When they had zero semblance of an offensive line, he would always pull some sort of magic out of his hat and turn something into nothing into something. Every single time. I don't care about how much Richard Sherman doesn't like him. He doesn't like Russell Wilson. He's pretty adamant about that. But that dude was a freaking magician. For as small as he was, he came in to Seattle. When they just signed Matt Flynn from Green Bay, Russell Wilson came in as a third-round draft pick and took the starting job week one. Like, beat out another guy. I understand, like, Matt Flynn was not the greatest quarterback of all time, but how many times have you seen a guy get drafted third round or later and then come in and take the job right away without injuries? Because I know, like, Dak Prescott, Tony Romo got hurt in the preseason. Kellen Moore got hurt in the preseason. So Dak Prescott came right in and started right away for the Cowboys. But freaking uh, Russell Wilson came in and just took it. Derek Carr did the same thing in, uh, in Oakland. He took it from Matt Schaub, I think. But he was a second-round pick, so that's a little different. But Russell Wilson, Seattle, was amazing. Broncos, Russell, it's, I mean, last year he was ass. This year he was good. He had a good year this year. More, uh, nothing more, nothing really spectacular, but he was more efficient than what we saw last year. Uh, 26, Matt Stafford. I mean, I like Matt Stafford. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer at all. But Matt Stafford, again, he had one of those 5,000-yard seasons. You don't get a lot of 5,000-yard seasons. But he had one of them. And, you know, at the time of Detroit, not great. Probably should have won a little bit more. I understand people that he had no help in Detroit. I mean, he had some help. It's not like he was completely floundering over there. And goes to L.A., gets traded for Jared Goff, goes on to win a Super Bowl. So the Rams won the trade. (laughs) But, you know, I feel good for Jared Goff right now. Matt Stafford, good quarterback, though. Good quarterback. Uh, Sammy Baugh. Old school guy, played for Washington, almost forgot, set a bunch of records back in the day. Old, old school guy. Old, old school guy. We're talking about the we're talking about like the Otto Graham days of the NFL. Like Y.A. Tittle is another one for the Giants. He's at number 31. Old, old school guys. Uh, 28, uh, Donovan McNabb. No, Donovan McNabb is not a top 50 quarterback of all time. Come on. I understand he went to a few NFC Championship games in a row. I understand he went to a Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. But no. Don McNabb is not top 50. And I like Don McNabb when he played, but no, top 50. No, 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 no. Uh, number 29, Boomer Esiason. Again, a guy who went to a Super Bowl. He won an MVP. Lost to Joe Montana in a Super Bowl, which a lot of people did that at the time, so it's not like it was uh, crazy that that happened. Bengals lost the freaking 49ers two times in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's not fun. That's really not that fun. But Boomer had some success. He obviously, when he left the Cincinnati Bengals, he went to the Jets and Cardinals, did not have the same success there. But had a decent amount of success for a team that, after he left, just floundered aimlessly for years. They couldn't figure out a quarterback to save their freaking lives. Look at, like, the David Klingler. Look at, like, Achilles Smith. Like, they didn't get a quarterback from him to Carson Palmer. Like, look at all those quarterbacks they had in the 90s, the Bungles. Like, they were a laughingstock. And Boomer helped change that. The lefty quarterback, MVP, bleach blonde hair, Chris Collinsworth was on that team. Or was he with Ken Anderson? 
Chris Collinsworth might have been in, he might have been with both actually, but Boomer Sison I think at somewhere I would imagine is on should be on here, but 29 is a little high. Uh, Joe Flacco 30. I mean, no. <laughs> Joe Flacco elite. I mean, those are funny and all that. He had a good year this year with the Browns, but he won a Super Bowl. Um, do I think Joe Flacco's a top 50 quarterback? No, not really. But we'll get. I'll let you know the other ones first, and then we'll talk about that one again. And then Wyatt Tittle, 31. Randall Cunningham, we talked about him before. Randall Cunningham, a co-MVP in the NFL, I think, when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles, replaced Ron Jaworski when he was there. Second-round draft pick. I think it was the same draft as Boomer Esiason from UNLV. Had a lot of success in Philadelphia. The dude had a 91-yard punt. <laughs> not, not a throw. Not a run. A 91-yard punt. Now, if Bryce Pop for the Buffalo Bills didn't hurt his knee, then Randall Cunningham might be a little bit higher on this list. Randall Cunningham, like Michael Vick, though, had that little career resurgence. Not for the same... He didn't leave football for the same reasons Michael Vick did, but he came back and he rejuvenated himself as a passer with the Minnesota Vikings when they had Randy Moss, Chris Carter, went to the NFC Championship again, game again, missed kick, lose the Falcons. Obviously, we all know that story. But Randall Cunningham was awesome with both Eagles and the Vikings. Like, Randall Cunningham, a, la- a plastic man. Like, look at some of the highlights when he was in Philadelphia. The dude was awesome to watch in Philadelphia. He was, like, the, like, he was, like, 6'3", 6'4", super skinny guy, but just could go anywhere on the football field. He's, like, these long striders. He had some insane runs there, too. He had some 70-yard runs in there. Like, Randall Cunningham was the dude. Uh, 33, Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan, if we're going to have Matt Ryan on this list, He's got to be higher than Flacco. I'm sorry. I know Flacco won a Super Bowl again. Matt Ryan obviously went to a Super Bowl as a quarterback of the 28-3 team. But Matt Ryan was better than Joe Flacco. I think we can all say that. And I'm not the biggest, like, Matt Ryan, yeah. But it's kind of the thing we talked about after Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford won the Super Bowl. Like, if Matt, if Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer, then Matt Ryan is. And I don't think either one of them are Hall of Famers. But, I, like, I don't think these guys really. Because top 50 is so weird. Top 50 is so weird, but we're not even at the weird names yet. We're not even at the weird names yet. And then we got George Blanda. We got Bob Greasy, who was the quarterback of the 72 Dolphins team. Not for the entire season, Earl Morrill was. And then Bob Greasy came back for the Super Bowl. I think Earl Morrill played like 11 games that year. <laughs> Bob Greasy played like five or six. And he they started him in the Super Bowl. Uh, then we got Joe Namath. I mean, sure, but he has more interceptions than touchdowns. Probably one of the more overrated quarterbacks of all time. But because of the fact... He did the, I guarantee we're going to win the Super Bowl against the Colts in Super Bowl three when they were severely overmatched, and they still won the game. Yeah, and he was like the celebrity at the time, too. Joe Namath was the guy. In both Jersey, New York, the United States, he was the face of the NFL for a little bit. But again, more interceptions than touchdowns, but that's a different era. Completely different era. But I, yeah, he belongs somewhere on here. Phil Simms. We talked about Phil Simms before. Phil Simms has one of the greatest Super Bowl performances of all time. And that first Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos, I got to pull up his numbers for that Super Bowl hold on hold on hold on ladies and gentlemen and he beat he was the he was on the team that beat the Bills in the Super Bowl but he got hurt so Jeff Hosteller had to play but he won Super Bowl MVP they beat the Broncos 39 to 20 Phil Simms in this Super Bowl went uh 22 of 25 for 268 and three touchdowns he had three incomplete passes and three touchdown passes. <laughs> With also, he was second on the team in rushing, too. Like, Phil Simms, 
and I know it's not like the most like eye-boggling numbers here, but three inter- three incompletions and three touchdowns. He had as many touchdowns and incompletions in this game and beat a Broncos team quarterback by John Elway. Now, it's not like a Joe Montana Super Bowl run where he had five touchdowns or like the one in his second Super Bowl that he won with the Niners where they went 15-1 and one and beat the Dolphins. He threw three touchdowns over 300 yards passing. Like that, It's not like that Super Bowl, but still, it is one of the better Super Bowl performances of all time. But Phil Simms, I think he deserves to be somewhere on this list. He was the face of the Giants for a little bit. Uh, Cam Newton, I mean, for those those few years, Cam Newton was one of the face of the NFL. Won an MVP, obviously, won Rookie of the Year. Had one of the best rookie seasons in NFL history. Never consistent with the accuracy, but again, Cam Newton was a lot of – he was a very big dual threat guy. Very big dual threat guy. And uh, lost Super Bowl to the Broncos, 15-1 season. Never – like I said with the Carolina Panthers, they've never had back-to-back winning seasons. So that's got something that's got to be looked at here. But Cam Newton was a very good player back in his day. He always pissed me off with the accuracy, though. <laughs> I think Cam Newton should retire when he left Carolina. I, that time in New England just did not help anybody. He had like seven touchdowns and ten picks or something that year. It was the lowest touchdown total by a quarterback that started every game since like Trent Dilver threw four in a season. Like, that's that's not looking great. And then the whole I'm back thing when he got to Carolina again, that just didn't age well at all. It aged like freaking milk. But you know what, Cam? Like, it's ironic his best year completion percentage was with Christian McCaffrey because that was like they just threw a bunch of checked out. <laughs> like, if you look at Cam Newton's career and look at his career completion percentage, look at that one year. It stands out like a <laughs> it stands out horrendously, but Cam Newton was a good quarterback back then. Dan Fouts, I think should be higher. I think that should be higher. Dan Fouts was awesome in the Air Coriel offense with Kellen Winslow, one of the greatest tight one of the greatest tight end quarterback duos of all freaking time. Dan Fouts, I think, threw four thousand yards in night in the seventies. That wasn't that that didn't happen. That did not happen. Let's get the stats out here. I think he threw two 4,000-yard seasons, one in the late, late 70s and one in the 80s. Hold up. Yeah, 79. He had three straight 4,000-yard seasons and 70, 70, 79, 80, 81. He threw 4,800 yards in 1980 with 33 touchdowns and 17 picks. In 1981, he was 200 yards shy of 5,000 yards. That, let that sink in for a little bit. In 1981, this was not the NFL that you know today. Dan Marino often gets credited for changing the way the NFL threw the ball. And I give him his credit. I give him his flowers. Dan Fouts did it too. Let's not discredit Dan Fouts in the Air Coriel offense. I'm happy Coriel got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Dan Fouts, obviously a Hall of Famer as well. But I think not going to a Super Bowl hurts Dan Fouts. I think it does. And then you've obviously got the insane weather changes there. I think it might have been that season. Was it that season that it happened? Yeah. So the season he threw 4,800 yards. <laughs> they they beat the Dolphins in overtime down in Miami in one of the most insanely humid games in NFL history. And then they turn back around the AFC Championship game, play the Bengals against Ken Anderson and the Bengals. And it's the coldest game in NFL history, at least one of the coldest games in NFL history. It's one of the few times on Wikipedia where you can click on both games. Each game has their own Wikipedia page. The game against the Bengals was uh air temperature was negative nine degrees. Negative nine. The but the wind chill factoring a sustained wind of twenty seven miles per hour was reported as negative fifty nine degrees. Negative fifty nine. And the week before, not not <laughs> not uh, not like you know, um what do you call it? Uh 
well, whatever. It don't matter. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But this game against the Dolphins, 79 points. 41 to 38 was the final. 79 points. 80% humidity down in Miami. That is disgusting. <laughs> like, Dan Fouts, I think he's good. Like, I've, you rarely ever see two games that aren't Super Bowls be have their own Wikipedia page, but that's what that was. And then now we get weird. Now we get really weird. Number 40, Dante Culpepper. No. In a million years. Dante Culpepper was, on, I believe, on the 0-16 Lions. If he wasn't, then he he played for the Lions. I, he he was with Matt Stafford. I think he was there for the 0-16 season. Because it was like Drew Henson. It was Dan Orlovsky. Make sure. I got to make sure he was definitely on the 0-16 Lions. Because I can't be saying that. And it's not being true. Yeah, he was. He started five games for the 0-16 Lions. So he's the only quarterback on this list that has gone 0-16. I think Randall Cun- or Dante Culpepper was really good in Minnesota. He had one of the strongest arms at that point. Him and Randy Moss were really fun to watch, but in no way, shape, or form is Dante Culpepper a top 50 quarterback of all time. No, no, no. And we got Sonny Jergeson, who's quarterback of the Washington, then Redskins at the time. And then we get Alex Smith. Alex Smith is not a top 50 quarterback of all time. Alex Smith. I like Alex Smith. I like the story. I like that he broke his leg, came back. But Alex Smith was not anything for his first few years in the NFL. He wasn't. Alex Smith got benched for Colin Kaepernick when John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh was there. And obviously the Chiefs replaced him with Patrick Mahomes. And people still talk about how the 49ers should have taken Aaron Rodgers up before Alex Smith. So no, I don't think Alex Smith's a top 50 quarterback of all time. He had some good moments in Kansas City, had some good moments in San Francisco. But no, top, top 50 is insane. They got Bobby Lane, who's quarterback of the Lions, back in the day. Like the, the only other quarterback you could think of with the Detroit Lions. Mark Brunel is the next one. Mark Brunel was the backup in Green Bay for a while, went down to Jacksonville, was going to be the backup to Steve Burline, uh, started, had a few really solid seasons down there, like five, six years, and then was a backup in Washington and New Orleans. Like, why, how is Mark Brunel a top 50 quarterback? And again, Lamar Jackson's not on this list. You can call me biased. Josh Allen's not on this list. Like, Josh Allen has four straight 40-plus touchdown seasons. Josh Allen was just named an MVP finalist. Was Mark Brunel ever an MVP finalist? Like, how is Mark Brunel on this list? For real. For for real. <laughs> Seriously. Mark Brunel. Vinny Testaverde. The dude has five or four more touchdowns than interceptions. He has played for 100 freaking years. He was nothing in Tampa. Granted, at that time, no one was anything down in Tampa. He played for like eight different franchises. He's got to be one of the only quarterbacks in NFL history to be the opening starter for, or not the opening starter, because he wasn't the opening starter for the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he got drafted in 87 and they got founded in the 70s. But he was the opening starter for the Ravens. Got replaced in Baltimore. He was with the Browns. He was with the Jets. He was with the Panthers. He was with the Bucks. He was with the Cowboys. He was with like every team in the NFL. How is he, just for longevity? He was in the league for 20 years. And he has five more touchdowns than interceptions. Four or five. I can't remember which one. And he's not better than Steve freaking McNair. Come on, man. Steve McNair is better than Testaverde. Steve McNair won an MVP. Steve McNair is a God-given safe, like, grace from God tackle away from being a Super Bowl champion. Go watch that Rams-Titans Super Bowl. I think it's Mike Smith makes the tackle. 
Like, it's the, the biggest what-could-have-been moment. Steve McNair turns the Titans into a legit franchise because they were starting to teeter towards the end of Warren Moon's career. Because that's when Warren Moon left. They replaced him with Steve McNair. And he goes to Nashville, and they were teetering everywhere. They were the Tennessee Oilers. They played in the Vanderbilt Stadium. They played in frickin'. They played everywhere, man. They played in the Tennessee Volunteer Stadium in Knoxville, which is not close to Nashville. They played in Memphis, which is also not close to Nashville. So Steve McNair was the guy. He's better than Testaverde. He's better than Mark Brunel, Alex Smith, Dante Culpepper. He's better than those four we just freaking mentioned. He's better than Joe Namath. He's better than freaking Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb's all the way up at freaking 28. He's better than Joe Flacco. Like, why are we discrediting Steve McNair like this? He won co-MVP with Peyton Manning. How many people go toe-to-toe with Peyton Manning like that? And say, Steve McNair, Peyton Manning was good, but you were so good. Like, do you know how much better you have to be to win co-MVP when you're facing against Peyton Manning? It's not like he did this against Donovan McNabb. No, he did it against Peyton Manning. Steve McNair was the dude. He was even decent in Baltimore. He had a 13-3 season in Baltimore in the latter parts of his career. But unfortunately, his body started to fail him, like we talked about with Cam Newton. It's a similar story there. But 46 for Steve McNair? And then Ken Stabler, 47. Come on, the snake? You're putting the snake all the way down at 47? He's like the lefty quarterback if Steve Young didn't exist. He's the lefty quarterback. It's for people my age. Obviously, Michael Vick's up there, and Tua's up there now. But Ken Stabler is the guy. Go look at stories of Steve of Ken Stabler. He would go to a game of like an hour of sleep where he spent the day of partying. He's like, how much sleep do I need to work for three hours? Baller mentality. Steve McNair, Ken Stabler needs to be higher on the list. He's better than Brunel, Testaverde, Alex Smith, Dante Goldberg, Don McNabb, like Joe Flacco. Norm Brain Brocklin and Bob Waterfield, same thing. They were the quarterbacks of the Rams in the early stages of their careers. And Norm Brain Brocklin, famously a dickhead. Go look up stories of Norm Brain Brocklin back in the day when he was a coach. He was the first coach of the Minnesota Vikings, too, if I remember correctly. So there's that for your head top. But Bob Waterfield and Norm Brain Brocklin are probably the only example in NFL history where playing two quarterbacks at the same time works. Like, this was in the 650s. Like, the early stages of football, and these two were just lighting it up as a quarterback tandem. Name one quarterback tandem in the NFL that actually worked. And you're putting both these guys at 48 and 50? Because it wasn't just that they were together, because they did have separate careers away from each other. And they were great from apart from each other, too. Two completely different personalities, but they're higher than that. And Carson Palmer, I mean... I like Carson Palmer, but like, why he's not in the top 50 quarterbacks either. But that last half of that list just goes straight down the freaking toilet. I don't have a general issue with the top 25 other than Vic being there. But again, I like Michael Vic. I, I could put him in there above freaking Donovan McNabb. I'm glad he's above these people. But good Lord. Like, what kind of list is this? Like, did you just get through 20 and then kind of just scattergun approach this? Because... All the quarterbacks on here, do they deserve to be in the top 50? Because, like, again, Lamar Jackson's on here. Josh Allen's not here. Is there any quarterbacks that I'm just completely forgetting about that aren't on this list? Let's look at uh, NFL passing leaders because that'll give me names at least. NFL passing leaders. Just all time. All time. I'm glad, like, Otto Graham's on there because Otto Graham definitely deserves to be on there. 
But Vinny Testaverde, no way. Just because he's 16th at all time in pass. He played from 1987 to 2007. That is a long-ass time. Like, Matt Stafford's 11th all-time passing yards. I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Like, I could make an argument Kirk Cousins deserves to be on this list over some Donovan McNabb anyways. I like Kirk Cousins. I don't think Kirk Cousins is a top 50 quarterback either, though. Then you've got... I'm surprised Kerry Collins wasn't on this list, to be 100% honest with you. That'd be something that these guys would do. <laughs> I think John Hadle, I mean, we kind of made fun of him a little bit, but he deserves to have some sort of mention on here. Ken Anderson with the Bengals in the early stage of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, Ken Anderson deserves to be on this list. John Brody, I mean, he was the first 49ers quarterback, like the first famous 49ers quarterback. Norm Sneed? Norm freaking Sneed? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Len Dawson. Was Len Dawson on this list? Len Dawson wasn't on here. Len Dawson, Len Dawson needs to be on this list. For sure. Len Dawson definitely needs to be on this list. That's insane that he's not on there. Then we've got, again, Joe Namath, um, whatever. There's Steve Grogan. Bobby Lane, we talked, he's on this list. Jim Plunkett. You can make an argument for Jim Plunkett. He won two Super Bowls, both as a backup. Like, he was the backup. So, he got drafted by the Patriots first overall. And then one of the first drafts that had three quarterbacks go with the first three picks. And then he went to San Fran to do anything there. And went to Oakland. Or he might have gone to – no, he went to San Fran first. And then went to Oakland and was a starter there. Then they moved to L.A. Or they, they start back up, then got the starting job, won a Super Bowl. They made the backup again, <laughs> won the starting job, won another Super Bowl. Joe Theismann, I think he deserves to be on this list too. I mean, he went to a few Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl. Uh, he was a, ki- a punt returner. For a little bit. That's just the fun part of the NFL back then. Joe Theismann was a freaking punt returner for a short period of time. Um, Who else we got? Archie Manning, I think you can make a case for him. Just given how bad those Saints teams were at the time. And he was literally the guy for those Saints teams for a little bit. Again, Josh Allen, I think, deserves to be on this list too. Uh, Sammy Paul, we already talked about him. He was on the list. <laughs> Jake DeLome. Trent Dilfer. Talk about Trent Dilfer. Uh, I think we're going a little too... I don't want to just keep sitting here and just scrolling. But... Across Jim McMahon. A lot of Bears fans would like to have him... No, Jim McMahon's not a top 50 quarterback. Uh, Don Meredith. That's the guy I was thinking of with the with Don, with Don um, Roger Stalback. He was the quarterback of the Ice Bowl against the Green Bay Packers. Doug Williams. Again, Doug Williams won... A, look at this Super Bowl with Doug Williams won. Doug Williams won a Super Bowl... And I think it was against the Broncos. I could be wrong. I think it was against the Broncos. Yeah, 42-10 to 10 against the Denver Broncos. The Redskins running back, Timmy Smith, never to be seen again after this pretty much, had 22 carries for 204 yards and two touchdowns. Doug Williams, 340 and four touchdowns. Like, you know how good of a performance you have to have? And he had a rushing touch. No, he didn't. I'm sorry. That was his long yard of the game, run of the game. And then it was Ricky Sanders, 193 yards receiving, too. Like, Doug Williams, Super Bowl MVP in that year. John Elway threw three interceptions in that Super Bowl. But Doug Williams, again, I think he deserves some sort of mention in here. Some sort of mention. Then we're going to keep... I'm not going to scroll forever. But we've got... Cordell Stewart was sick. I'm not saying he deserves to be on this list. Cordell Stewart's name was Slash. Nickname was Slash when he was on the Steelers. And it's probably the coolest nickname in NFL history. Because he was 
quarterback slash running back slash receiver slash corner slash punt return slash. He was awesome. Cordell Stewart was a beast back in the day. Like, he was on my NFL 03 game with Marshall Falk on the cover. It was an awesome game. Doug Flutie was sick. Sid Luckman, Bears all-time greatest quarterback probably. Joe Burrow, I mean, you can make a case for Joe Burrow being on this list. If Don McNabb and, like, freaking Vinny Testaverde are on here, then, yeah, you can make a case. Uh, How much farther do I want to keep going? Do I want to go all the way to the bottom? Probably not. <laughs> is there anybody else that I'm, like, that I might be just forgetting about a lot of people here, which is fair. Tavares Jackson, RIP, on there. Kyle Buller. But, yeah, there I have some problems with the end of this list for sure. For sure. Like, again, uh, Vic, I mean, I can understand it. He has to be lower, though. He can't be top 20. Vic is not a top 24 quarterback ever. And he has to have – you have to have Lamar there. But then you've got McNabb should not be on this list. Flacco should not be on this list. Stafford and Ryan, uh, you can make somewhat cases for them. At least Stafford won a Super Bowl and Matt Ryan won an MVP. I mean, Flacco won a Super Bowl, too, but I think both of those guys are better than Flacco. Flacco's just kind of a meme at this point. Uh, Joan Namath, I think you can make a case for not being on this list because the interception told again, different time, but he was the face of the NFL for a little bit. Culpepper should not be on here. Alex Smith should not be on here. Brunel should not be on here. Testaverde should not be on here. Palmer should not be on here. And I, it like, if you really want to get, like, cutthroat, which we don't need to, but then, like, Joe Namath, you would have him probably off here. George Blanda at 34. At 34. I understand George Blanda, but... But whatever. It's just, he's he's kind of lit. He just scattered. Like, okay, the first pit. Yeah, that's kind of good. Let's get some people talking. Let's get some idiots to have a podcast. Let's let's get them to start talking about something. And then this running backs list, I haven't looked at it. I'm not going to go over the entire thing. I'm just going to go over the top ten. Uh, Ricky Williams above Marshawn is definitely, that's the first thing I looked at. That's kind of crazy. And I like, I like Ricky Williams, but, man, Marshawn Lynch at 27 below Ricky Williams. That's kind of he was the face of the Seahawks for a while, for a while. I'm glad Edron James is high though. I'm on Green. Eh, handsome moment. Matt Forte, Demarco Murray, Maurice Jones Drew. Okay, nope, we're getting okay. I can't do that. <laughs> top top ten is Barry. Fair, he's the goat for me. Jim Brown, Emmett Walter, Adrian Peterson, LT, Eric Dickerson, Tony Dorsett, Jerome Bettis, and Marshall Falk. That's the top ten. Uh, Marshall Falk needs to be definitely higher. Marshall Falk, I think it gets lost in the sauce a little bit. Marshall Falk is the one of the first 1,000,000 1, players. He's the second one. Roger Craig was the first one. Is Roger Craig on this list? Because he's a – Roger Craig's an Iowan too. Roger Craig's not on this list. That's cool. Okay, uh, yeah, Roger Craig's the first 1,000,000 1, player. Christian McCaffrey's the third 1,000,000 1, player. And then Marshall Falk's the second one. The only reason he didn't win an MVP is because Kurt Warren threw for freaking 4,500 yards or something and had 40 touchdowns. But Marshall Falk needs to be higher. Like, I was talking to this about to Spencer the other day, actually. And my top five, or top, top seven, I guess, is Barry, Walter, Jim Brown, Emmett, LT, Marshall, AP. That's my top seven. And then if we're going outside the top seven... Eric Dickerson, he holds the record for NFL rushing yards in a single season, so I think you have to give some credit to him there. Um, Jace Terrell Davis at 13. He's a very high. Jerome Bettis at 9. No. Tony Dorsett was a beast in Dallas. He has a 99-yard touchdown run in there. 
Do I have to put... I mean, Curtis Martin was a beast with the Jets, too. Thurman was the focal point of those Bills offenses in the 90s. Is there anybody... Like, who would be... Out, like, I think Eric Dickerson would be number eight. Then I'd probably put Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell's just so... Look at the highlight of where Earl Campbell's jersey gets ripped off of him. Like, not ripped. Ripped off his body running up the middle of the field. <laughs> his thighs were the size of my freaking kitchen table. Like, Earl Campbell was him back in the day. He was literally him. And then we've got... Ah, Tony Dorsett has to be on there. Tony Dorsett's higher than Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell probably number nine, number 10. But Marshall Falk, man. Number nine. Jerome Bettis of a Marshall Falk. I like Jerome Bettis. I like Jerome Bettis. Because he was a, a freaking beast back in the day. He got traded from the Rams to the Steelers when they thought his career was done. And he balled out for the Steelers. Helped him get to a Super Bowl in his home city of Detroit. That's freaking awesome. But Marshall Falk, man, that dude was freaking sick for the LA, for the St. Louis Rams, sorry. They played on freaking carpet on cement, pretty much. Played on carpet on cement. And the the conversation that, uh, like, why I have Adrian Peterson at seven, because I think it's easy to put him at five. I'm, I'm not going to, like, desperately die on this hill. But Adrian Peterson, for how big he was, was not necessarily the best blocker. He also wasn't the best receiver out of the backfield. In early portions of his career... He had an insane fumbling problem. I think it's crazy how fast he came back from the ACL injury and obviously had the nine yards short of the all-time season record thing. I think that's insane. It's one of the greatest moments in NFL history. But he also had a great rookie year, if I remember correctly. But he was a very – I don't like saying one-dimensional because that's not fair. But he wasn't necessarily the receiver of LT and Herschel and uh, Marshall Falk. And why I have LT above Marshall Falk, because though he didn't have the 1,000-1,000 season – LT was just a freaking touchdown machine. LT has 31 touchdowns in a singular season. That's insane. That's a record that will never be broken by any running back ever. The way running backs are used now, they'll never be broken. But also, LaDainian Tomlinson was an insanely willing blocker for being 5'10", like 200 pounds. Like, LT would stiff arm the hell out of any player that ran towards him while also being able to jump over the line of scrimmage for touchdowns. Also being the fastest player on the field, too. And... Like, this dude was just... You're not even going to talk about the passing touchdowns that he had. And that's not important to the total, like, why he's a great running back thing. I understand for the, the, the definition, I understand running back, sure. But I think LT and Marshall are just... They're my favorite running backs growing up. But at the same time, I can justify and take the glasses off and go like, this is why. I'm not just saying it because they're my favorite. I could have reasons why. The Vikings were bringing in LaDainian Tomlinson to help Adrian Peterson with his fumbling issue, but LT went to the Jets. And in the latter stages of LT's career, he goes to the NFC AFC Championship game for the New York Jets while rushing for damn near 1,000 yards when he was supposed to be done. If the Chargers didn't completely change the landscape of their offense, LaDainian Tomlinson's probably the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. But they switched it. They got Norv Turner in. They replaced Marty Schottenheimer with Norv Turner, just two completely different coaches. Marty Schottenheimer, famous for running the ball. That's what Marty Schottenheimer did. Ultra conservative head coach. But that 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 certain portions, it hurt him. Look at every team Marty Schottenheimer had. They were known for their running game. Norv Turner wanted to put the focal point of the offense on Phillip Rivers. And fair enough. I mean, Phillip Rivers is a good quarterback. But that took LT out of it a little bit. And they started just hammering down on Phil. And that's when LT basically got out. He got hurt a bunch towards the end of his career. Had a a bunch of ankle and lower body injuries. Not ankle, more toe injuries. But, yeah, they were great players. Marshall Falk got traded from the Colts. Like, the Colts, they they had a very big brain move because they drafted Edron James, 
who I could make an argument for top 10 too, because Edron James, insanely willing blocker. Like, watch Edron James' highlights, while also being able to catch the ball in the backfield as well. Not only that, but able to rush for 1,500 yards. <laughs> Mar- Edron James was drafted before Ricky Williams, when at the time Ricky Williams was the running back in the NFL, or like the, in college football. The Eagles fans booed the Eagles for drafting Donovan McNabb because they wanted Ricky Williams. The Saints traded their entire draft to get Ricky Williams. And the Colts just said, we're going to draft Edron James. And Edron James is clearly better. Edron James is a freaking beast. From gold teeth to gold jacket. One of the best Hall of Fame speeches ever. Gale Sayers, if he didn't tear his ACL, he'd have a great career. Gale Sayers tore his ACL in the worst time to tear the ACL in the 60s. Or 60s or 70s, I can't remember. But that's not great. Terrell Davis just ran the hell out of the ball. One of the reasons John Elway has two Super Bowls is Terrell Davis. Because he ran the absolute piss out of the football. Look up some... He was blind for one of his touchdowns he ran. I don't know if he ran the touchdown, but he's like, Coach, I can't see. <laughs> they're like, we need you in there because they're not going to buy this play if you don't go in there. So he's basically a D. I don't think... Now I'm saying it out loud. I don't think he ran the ball, but he said he can't see. They threw his ass in there anyways. The Marcus Allen with the Raiders. One of the greatest rushing touchdowns of all time is Marshall, Marcus Allen. You go look that one up. Franco Harris, immaculate reception. Curtis Martin, extremely consistent. Insanely consistent with the Jets. Uh, Thurman... I mean, he was the focal point of the Bills' offense again. Like, he won an MVP in 91. Like, great player. Sean Alexander, great running back. Shorter period, shorter career. Shorter career, but great running back. John Riggins for the Washington Redskins. Larry Zonka for the Dolphins. Tiki Barber, if he didn't retire when he did, we might be talking about Tiki a little bit differently. Because Tiki Barber had an insane last year in the NFL and just, just fled out. Went out of the NFL. Work done at 25 is pretty high, especially over Marshawn Lynch. Eddie George was a beast. Uh, Steven Jackson was good for a short period of time. Derrick Henry's on here. Priest Holmes. LaShawn McCoy, I think, needs to be a little bit higher. LaShawn McCoy is better than work done. Bo Jackson, 35. Fair. Jim Taylor for the Packers. Otis Anderson. He was the running back for the Giants when uh, they beat the Bills. That was fun. Uh, Jamal Lewis. Thomas jo- Thomas Jones. I, didn't even, I don't know if I saw Thomas Jones. Corey Dillon for the Bengals. Chris Johnson. CJ2K. Matt Forte, again, I think is a little high, but Matt Forte was good. Great receiving back, too. Uh, Darren Sproles is on here. You know what? I I, I can see it. Because <laughs> Darren Sproles, I remember there was a conversation about Derek Spr- Darren Sproles being in the Hall of Fame like two or three years ago. I, I think there's a legit, there was a conversation about that because they there was not really this scat back like Darren Sproles back then, and he was the first one to really do that. But, yeah, there's the running backs list. But Marshall Falk definitely needs to be higher. Definitely needs to be higher. Uh, Is this an edited list? Okay, here we go. Receivers. Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Calvin Johnson, Marvin Harrison. I can't hate it. I can't. Larry Larry Fitzgerald, Don Hudson with the Packers. The fl- uh, Not the Flying Dutchman. Or, yeah, was he the Flying Dutchman? That was, that was Norman Brockland, sorry. But Don Hudson, great receiver. Steve Largent for the Seahawks. Chris Carter for the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. Steve Smith. Top 10? Steve Smith is not top 10. I like Steve Smith a lot with the Carolina Panthers and the Ravens, but man, above Lance Allward, Torrey Holt, I mean, Isaac Bruce, where's Isaac Bruce at? 15? I mean, Isaac Bruce is better than Torrey Holt. Art Monk, Reggie Wayne, Charlie Joyner, Michael Irvin, Tim Brown, receiving a receiver that won a Heisman, Tim Brown, Andre Johnson, Heinz Ward, Heinz Ward at 20? No. No, 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 no. Steve Smith and Heinz. So we're at the 20. We're at the 10 and 20 mark. Fred Bolitnikov, stick them. 
That's what Fred Bolitnikov's known for. Chad Ochocinco, 22. Above Julio? No, 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 no. Where's... He's not better than Antonio Brown either. Jimmy Smith, Jackson State. James Lofton with the Packers and Bills. Lynn Swan. Brandon, Brandon Marshall, 28. What? <laughs> I like Brandon Marshall, but come on. Raymond Barry, Irving Fryer, play for the Patriots. Derek Mason, no. I like Derek Mason. He was on the he was on the Ravens for a while, but no. Andre Reed, he should be higher than 34. Good Lord, he's better than Steve Smith. He's all the way up at 10. Don Maynard, uh, he was a Colts guy, I believe. He should be higher. Joey Galloway, no. Sterling Sharp should be higher. Musin Mohammed. Devontae Adams, I think, should be higher. Is Devontae Adams better all-time than Antonio Brown? I don't know. I don't know. That's a close one. DeAndre Hopkins. Wes Welker, 42. Des Bryant, 40. Julian Edelman for playoff stuff? Sure. But I don't know if I could put him top 50 or greatest receivers of all time. There's a lot of good receivers. Mike Evans. Paul Warfield at 46. He needs to be higher. Harold Carmichael. The dude was like six foot nine at wide receiver playing with the 70s. He was insane. He's a monster. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. Jordy, Nel- Jordy Nelson's not top 50. Come on, man. Come on, man. A.J. Green's better than Jordy Nelson. You have it at number 50. Come on, man. Like, I like that Steve Smith at 10. Again, this is not, man, 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 man. I need to make an actual list for receivers because, good Lord. Des Bryant, so Steve Smith's not top 10. I don't, he's not even, would you put him top 30? So you're basically saying Steve Smith's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he's not. At least in my opinion, he's not. But Steve Smith's not number 10. He's not better than Lance Allworth. He's not better than Torrey Holt. He's not better than... Reggie Wayne at 14's a little high. He's not better than Isaac Bruce, Charlie Joyner, Michael Irvin, Tim Brown with the Raiders. Like, Tim Brown and Jerry Rice played together with the Raiders. I don't know. I need to look up my receivers list. I need to make a receivers list because there's too many receivers to think any off the top of my head. We're not going to go over a whole receiver... whole ass receivers list. That's not what we're going to do. But, man, th- th- these lists are just always a little bit interesting. Just to get people talking. And it, hey, it worked. It did work. So we're talking about it. But this is not really what I wanted to talk. Well, I did want to talk about it. But I, <laughs> I didn't at the same time. I didn't at the same time. But that's just the era we're in. Just got to make something and get people talking. And Mad Dog, um, Chris Russo, he made a, a top 10 quarterbacks list of all time. Uh, Mahomes is one. This is exactly what we are talking about earlier. Uh, Brady, number two. Exactly what we are talking about earlier. Then Montana, three. Fine. I mean, Montana's number two, but fine. And then Unitas, Otto Graham. I mean, fine. I, I like those guys. Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, John Elway, Peyton Manning all the way at nine is insane. John Elway at eight is pretty insane. And then Bart Starr at 10. So we have the newest quarterback in Mahomes. We have the second newest in Man and Brady. And then a bunch of old guys. And then Peyton Manning. <laughs> like, no Steve Young. No Dan Marino. Like, I understand why Johnny Unitas and Otto Graham are in here. I understand that. But... Terry's not a top 10 quarterback. He's not. Bart Starr, not. Roger, I think you make the best case for Roger. But, I don't know. I wouldn't. Man. If I was doing a top 10 quarterbacks list, I don't know if we did this earlier. We've talked about a lot so far. If I was doing a top 10 quarterbacks list, I'd say Brady, Montana, Manning, Elway, Mahomes. And then I'd put Johnny. Put Johnny at six, just because of how revolutionary he was at that time. Then I'd put... Marino, 
because he's putting up video game, like we said, video game numbers in the freaking 70s, eight, not the 70s, he got drafted in 83, in the 80s, went to a freaking Super Bowl in his second year and never went back, <laughs> got beat by Joe Montana, fair enough, uh, Rodgers at number eight, then I'm putting Favre at nine, and then I'm putting Steve Young 10, that's my top 10 quarterbacks, but Drew Brees, I could de- you could definitely make a case for him being there, but that would be mine if I had to like tie my hand around back, but that's whatever. We got to talk about the playoffs now. We got to talk about the playoffs. And we got Brady, Montana, Manning. All of them won Super Bowls. Elway won Super Bowl. Mahomes won Super Bowl. And Mahomes is in the playoffs now. Let me take a drink of orange juice real quick. And one thing I like to not do when it comes to the, what do you call it, big games. Kind of mentioned this earlier with Brady. Never talk shit about a specific player before the game. Especially if they're very good. Chris Jones came out this week and said if we make him throw it, we might shut them out about Lamar Jackson. Now, I don't know if you know this about Mr. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson hears everything you say. Lamar Jackson will take it to heart, and Lamar Jackson will kill you with the throw now. He will. I'm fair, I'm very confident that Lamar Jackson will come out swinging. Because, I don't know if you remember this, it was back when he won the MVP... I don't remember if they were playing the 49ers, but the 49ers announcer pretty much said, Lamar Jackson's so good at the RPO and pulling the, pulling the ball because his hands match the ball. You can take whatever you want out of that. I think you all know what that means, but you can take whatever you want from that. You want to know what Lamar Jackson did? Or his arms and hands match the ball? You want to know what Lamar Jackson did against the Bills, who were the next team up? Were all white. Long white sleeves after that. Put on probably the, apart from the Bengals spin move, Lamar Jackson's nastiest juke of his career probably came against Matt Milano in Buffalo. They, if you haven't seen it, (laughs) I would recommend you look it up. And Lamar Jackson literally wore the white sleeves. He hears everything. Lamar Jackson has taken every criticism that he's gotten since he got drafted and has turned it into what he is now. Lamar Jackson, when he got drafted, go watch his Louisville highlights. Lamar Jackson was a freaking pencil. He was so skinny at Louisville. Look at the dude now. His neck's the size of a freaking 58-inch screen TV. And I said 58 because my TV's 58 inches. I know that's a very odd number to say. But <laughs> his neck's freaking huge. He's got like Clint Portis neck. It's insane. He's a big dude now. Lamar Jackson is a big yelling dude now. He's pissed off. And I love it. I love it. I love Lamar Jackson talking shit. I love Lamar Jackson yelling at his teammates. I love it. Because that's what got the Ravens to this point. I love when they asked him what was said at halftime. He said, not a lot of good things. A lot of profanity. I'm not going to repeat it here. I love that. So Chris Jones coming out and saying, if we make him throw it, aren't we past this point, though? Aren't we past this point of where we're doubting Lamar's a passer? Like, I think we pretty much got to the established point where Lamar Jackson can throw the football. Lamar Jackson's pretty damn good at throwing the football, right? Like he can he can hold his own. He can. But why are you coming out and talking shit to him? Cuz it doesn't help because you're on the D-line. Your secondary is the one that's going to have to back up the words that you said. <laughs> and God forbid you leave that middle of the field open like the Texans did every single time he dropped back, like just completely forgetting about the quarterback they were playing, then he's going to kill you with his legs, but he's going to try and kill you with his arm first. You're lucky you're not the Miami Dolphins because Two, he has two perfect passer ratings against the Dolphins. You're lucky you're not the Dolphins. 
But this game involves Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are the captains of the game or legends of the game or whatever. Probably the two greatest players to play for the Ravens apart from Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson, I would put in top three with those two. Like Ed Reed, I think is the greatest safety of all time. Apart from Deion Sanders, I think he's the greatest uh, uh, defensive back of all time. Ed Reed was awesome back in the day. I think the best part about Ed Reed was that he was trying to score every single time. It didn't matter if he was the one scoring, but gosh darn it, Ed Reed's going to pitch that son bitch back and someone else is going to score. That is one of my favorite things about Ed Reed. While also being the hardest hitting dude on the field, while also being the best center fielder on the field as well. Like, that was Ed Reed to a T. I mean, I think he got a Super Bowl out of it too. But, like, those two and Lamar, I think you're probably your guys. Those are your guys. And you got some other decent players. And then, like, Marshall Yondo was there for quite a bit of time. You've got Haloti Nada was a beast. Tony Saragusa was very good. You've obviously got Shannon Sharp was there for a little bit. And you can talk about these players that were there for a short period of time. Like, Shannon Sharp was there the latter parts of his career. But the Ravens were new at that time. So, they don't, they, they've only been around since 95. It's not like they've been around for a very long time. Unless you want to start including the Cleveland Browns history. Which you can, because this is the Cleveland Browns. Technically. But, yeah, they... And Joe Flacco, I forgot about Joe. Joe Flacco's definitely in there too. But why do you talk shit before the AFC Championship game? Because you know that's going to be the first thing Lamar Jackson brings up in the post-game press conference. He talked shit to Mike Florio after the freaking Niners game. Like Lamar Jackson hears everything. And then once he wins, he'll talk shit about it. And that is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. But the evil empire that is the Kansas City Chiefs now, baton has been passed, the Chiefs, everybody is cheering for the Ravens, pretty much. So, if the Ravens win, that's the first, I guarantee Lamar Jackson's going to say something about that. Guarantee. And I think the Chiefs are a little bit overmatched anyways, but again, I'm not going to count out Patrick Mahomes. I don't really want to. The Chiefs have been there, done that before the Ravens. This is Lamar's second ever playoff win. So, I can't really sit here and go like, or the Ravens with Lamar Jackson's first ever playoff win. like Or second ever, sorry. Because they beat the... Who did they beat? Because they played the Bills in the second round. Who did they beat in the first round? The wild card year. They beat the Bengals? Yeah, they beat the Bengals, I think. No, they didn't beat the Bengals. Who the hell did they beat? It doesn't matter. But I will never doubt the Chiefs and Mahomes. I, I won't. I can't. I can't bring myself to do that. I'm done doing that. I said I was 55% confident the Bills would beat the Chiefs. And guess where that got me? It got me freaking nowhere. <laughs> But I think the Ravens are just too talented at this point. I think they'll wake, they'll have some struggles in the first half, but they'll wake up. You could tell that two-week rest definitely caused them some problems in the first half against the Texans. They ride the ship in the second half because they were just the better team. But the Chiefs won't let they'll they won't let you live off though. They'll kill you if you aren't ready. The Texans are too young. They just don't know how to do that yet. They they will, but right now they don't know how to do that. And the Chiefs will make you pay. They got Pacheco, they got a running game, Rasheed Rice is playing well, they obviously got Travis Kelsey, Mahomes, Andy Reid. Now, we're gonna, I'm intrigued to see how Kyle Hamilton does, because I'm pretty sure they're going to try and mark Travis Kelsey with Hamilton, which makes sense. Kyle Hamilton's a freaking massive dude. And, yeah, it's going to be a fun game. That's going to be a very fun game. I am going to take the Ravens. I don't know what the lines are for this game. What are the lines here? Come on, ESPN, load up for me. <laughs> Come on, ESPN. The Ravens are a four-point favorite. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think the Ravens in Baltimore, it's a day game, though. It's 2 o'clock. If that was a night game, it would be a little different. With Ray Lewis and Ed Reed coming out of the tunnel, 
for a night game in Baltimore against Kansas City Chiefs, the most hated team in the NFL right now. Oh, my God. That would have been freaking sick. But, yeah, I'm obviously cheering for Lamar. Lamar's my guy. But we'll talk about – I'll go – Lamar and I are ops for another conversation, but we'll talk about that here shortly. And then we've got the Lions and Niners. The interview – the press conference with Jared Goff and that reporter saying, you guys are extremely talented. Thank you. You guys are extremely talented, but uh, not as talented as – okay, sorry. <laughs> All right, never mind. The Lions are America's team at this point. We talked about why on Wednesday. Like they've got so many people that they were doubted. Like, their draft class was blasted. You've got freaking, right now, you've got Jameer Gibbs and Jack, and Jack, and Sam Laporta in the off to rookie of the year category, and Brian Branch got screwed in the defensive year of the category. Rookie of the year category, sorry. So three of your first top four picks should be in the categories for these positions, like for rookies of the year and stuff. Now, would any of them win it? No. But they deserve the recognition for how they did this year. And Dan Campbell, dude got laughed at when they first hired him. Jared Goff got sent to quarterback hell. His career was done and dusted. And now he's in his second NFC Championship game. Hopefully it goes a little bit smoother than the one against the Saints. <laughs> Hopefully nothing crazy like that happens here. But the Niners, like, I don't I would just really like to see a Lions-Ravens Super Bowl. But then part of me is like, I picked the Niners to go to Super Bowl before the season started. And I like the Niners. I've always liked the Niners. They're one of my favorite teams. But just the Lions going to the Super Bowl just it really tickles me. Even though it would hurt to see like the Lions make the Super Bowl before the Bills, in my lifetime anyways, where I saw the Lions go 0-16 in 2008, and then now I'm, <laughs> I'm going to watch them go to the Super Bowl. Potentially. But the, the Niners are a seven-point favorite. I do think the Niners will win. But I will probably be cheering for the Lions just because I think that's crazy that they're even at this point. Like, who thought when Dan Campbell got hired, they'd be at this point? Who? No no one did. No one did. It was kind of like, oh, this is a funny hire. He's talking about biting kneecaps off. And now they're playing the Niners in the NFC Championship game. Debo's a game-time decision, which would be big. But the Lions secondary, if even with just Ayuk, I think Ayuk will have a big game. Because the Lions secondary is famously not very good. <laughs> so, Aaron Glenn, not the greatest defensive coordinator. Don't know how he got ranked so highly. Well, I do know how because he's a former player and they'll rally around him for that. He's not a good defensive coordinator, though. And I think the Niners will win. I don't know, seven. Lions are a gritty-ass team. They're a very gritty team. And the Niners, I mean, every team's kind of had, like, the down moments this year. But Niners, they tempted fate last week. They probably should have lost last week. But, you know, they didn't in the end. I think they should have. But that doesn't matter the grand scheme of things. I think the Niners and Ravens go to the Super Bowl. I think the Ravens win. But we're not going to get to the full Super Bowl preview. We'll try to have some people on for the Super Bowl preview. Obviously, we got the Pro Bowl next week. Or the week after, sorry. And, you know, again, I can take or leave the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl's stupid. I, I like watching the, the what do you call it? The like the, the flag football game last year was awesome. That was the most fun I had watched in the Pro Bowl in forever. But the Pro Bowl in the grand scheme of things is stupid. It's stupid. It's a popularity contest. It's freaking stupid. And I've had my disdain for it proven numerous times before, and none gets proven more than right now. Because who are the quarterbacks for the AFC in the Pro Bowl again? Could you repeat them for me? Do yourself, and I'll repeat them for you. The quarterbacks in the AFC were Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Tua Tagovailoa. Out of those three, how many are MVP candidates? Of those three, uh, one of them was Lamar. 
So that would mean there can't be an AFC quarterback as a finalist for MVP, right? There can't be. The Pro Bowl's end-all, be-all. So there can't be another one. Oh, wait. Josh Allen got named a finalist for the MVP again. His third year being a finalist for MVP. Rightfully so, too. I can't believe this was a conversation for a lot of people during portions of the season, during the latter parts of the season. This wasn't even close. It shouldn't be a conversation. And Lamar's going to win it. And that's fine, because I like Lamar, but I don't think he shouldn't win it. This would be the first, what's the, and Chris McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, the MVP candidates. I, I, Dak, whatever. I'm not surprised Purdy's in here, but I think, if I had to put money on, uh, not money, but if I had to pick my order, it goes in the graphic that they had. Josh, Lamar, McCaffrey, Prescott, Purdy. That'd be my order for MVP. That's my order out of the five candidates that I have, but it will probably go Lamar. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Lamar will win it. I bet Chris McCaffrey probably comes last. Because <laughs> he's, he's stuck in a situation where th- four other quarterbacks are the candidates. Like, how is Tyreek Hill not a candidate? Over Dak? Over Purdy? Like, I understand. I, I'm not surprised they're candidates, but really? And they both had good seasons. It's not like I'm taking anything away from them, but MVP? I have Pur- P- Purdy stands. I'm not saying Brock Purdy's a bad quarterback. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Back off me. Back off. <laughs> He's not Joe Montana. Oh, wait. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, he is Joe Montana. Yes, he is Tom Brady. Good Lord. That's why they tried to get Tom Brady. Whatever. That's neither here nor there. I think Purdy's fine being an MVP. I, I don't think he should be because I think there's players that have been better, are better than him. But given the numbers, given what the 49ers have done this year, I'm not surprised that he's in there. Not surprised at all that he's in there. Do I think he should be? No, but that's neither here nor there. But Lamar, again, we've talked about this before, Lamar Jackson will win MVP. He will. He will. And then where's the uh... – yeah, here it is. So Lamar Jackson right now, and he's, got, he's leading the Raven in the rushing yards, though. But his numbers right now for passing, he ranks 15th in the NFL in passing yards, 11th in passing touchdowns. He got 24 passing touchdowns with seven picks. And in total, he's got about, I don't know, what does he have? Like 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 14 turnovers, I think it is. So, Lamar's probably going to win MVP. We've kind of figured this out by now. Uh, MVP award is taking a big, this is a comment on this. Six of the last 10 MVPs led the NFLs in touchdowns. The ones who didn't, who didn't were no worse than top five in regards to touchdowns. So Lamar's not leading league in touchdowns, nor is he top five in total touchdowns. The widest margin between an MVP and league leader in touchdowns was six. Lamar is in a four-way tie for seventh in the league and is 15 touchdowns behind Josh Allen. With, what, eight less turnovers? Congratulations. So he's 15 less touchdowns, but has eight less turnovers. Cool. And if you want to add in Gus Edwards' touchdowns. And that's not even, that's all of his touchdowns, not the ones that were from one yard out. Because that's what people like to say. It's like, well, Gus Edwards takes all Lamar's one yard touchdowns. Even if you added those in, he still has less touchdowns. He has 11 touchdowns from one yard, three yards out, I think is what they said last week. He still has less. Because at that point, he has 40. 
<laughs> so he still has less touchdowns. If you had the 11 touchdowns, if you want to add in the 13 total rushing touchdowns, he still has less. He has 42. Josh Allen has 44. While also leading league in total yards. Like, if the me if if people this is another thing we're gonna continue on the stupid topic of like changing people's perspectives on things to get clear. If the media didn't run with this narrative that Josh Allen was a turnover machine, which he's not, because I mean I've got the numbers. Josh Allen actually, being the turnover machine that he is, has the greatest interception percentage in NFL history in the playoffs. He ranks number one. He ranks number one. There have been 46 QBs in history in the NFL since the merger who have played at least 10 playoff games and had at least one playoff touchdown pass. Here they are ranked by lowest interception percentage. Josh Allen has a 1.1 interception percentage in the playoffs. 1.1. In 10 playoff games, he has four interceptions. Four. Patrick Mahomes is second with 1.2 percentage. And then it's Aaron Rodgers, who is famously the least turnover-prone quarterback in NFL history by everybody's expectations. Or estimations, sorry. But Mr. Turnover Machine Josh Allen here has four picks, didn't throw a single one this year, while also having a 5.6 touchdown percentage, which is fourth? Yeah, fourth. At least on this list, because then you're including like Frank Reich, who plays <laughs> 6.7. Out of the top five, for interception, like look at the other quarterbacks on here. Matt Ryan, Drew Brees. Brees famously not throwing interceptions in the playoffs. He has 2.1. So he has a whole percentage more than Josh, turnover machine Josh Allen. Man, I think Josh Allen was responsible for like 80% of the Bills' touchdowns this year, too. Like, Come on, if, if this was a normal year <laughs> and we didn't have to build these narratives, it wouldn't, it shouldn't be a conversation. It shouldn't be. Dude's going to have less than 30 touchdowns to win the MVP. How insane, because his team's 13 and four. That's it. He is two games better than Josh Allen, who has now had his fourth straight 40 plus touchdown season and has won his fourth straight division title. Um, but yeah, those 29 touchdowns, those are pretty cool. Those are pretty cool touchdowns right there. I mean, Josh Allen has 29 passing touchdowns this year, let alone 29 total touchdowns. Like, it's stupid. It is. It's the narrative people run with. Josh Allen can't win in the playoffs. We talk about the drops. Like, the he has the one he has the highest interception percentage of all time. Bills against the Chiefs. Every category apart from win, they won. Time possession, first downs, total yards, third down conversions, fourth down conversions, turnovers. They had none. McCole Hardman obviously had the fumble against the Chiefs. They had fumbles in the game, but they didn't recover. The Chiefs didn't recover them. Bills lost the game. Like, I don't – that's another conversation that we're just starting this narrative that Josh Allen can't win in the playoffs or Josh Allen only beats bad quarterbacks or whatever. Like, and I saw people today – Someone on Twitter today, if the Chiefs want, would have lost on Sunday and Patrick Mahomes played lights out, the blame would have still been on him. Sounds like the media is, is doing everything in their power to blame Josh, not blame Josh Allen. My, my, how the narrative changes for certain QBs. You know what she's trying to say. You know what she's trying to say. That's the dumbest take out there, too. I hate when people do this where it's like, 
something that clearly has not been happening. Who has been bl- who? Nick Wright went on first take or first take, uh, first things first, and blasted Josh Allen because he can't win in the playoffs. And then you hear he's not great. Ryan Clark said that on ESPN. He's not great. He's good. He can't win. He got blame from numerous people in the national media. But we're going to try and throw this card out there. You know exactly what card I'm throwing out there. We're going to throw that out there because it fits your narrative. Patrick Mahomes did nothing in the Super Bowl against the Bucks, but they had no offensive line, so no one says anything about it. But Josh Allen also had drops in this game, but everybody talks about it. Like about how Josh Allen isn't a winner. Patrick Mahomes got blasted in the Super Bowl by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because their team had zero offensive linemen. Their entire offensive line was hurt. So no one says anything about it. Patrick Mahomes, the only quarterback ever, ever, in recent memory, that gets zero blame for literally anything he does. How many times do we hear how bad Patrick Mahomes was this year? He had 27 passing, total touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes has 27 total touchdowns this year. Zero rushing touchdowns with like 14 interceptions. Like, where was the Patrick Mahomes slander this year? He has four less interceptions than Josh Allen. Played one less game. He has 15, he has 17 less, no, wait. Yeah, 17 less total touchdowns. Where was Patrick Mahomes slander this year? I understand. I'm not stupid. I understand Patrick Mahomes has skin in the game. Patrick Mahomes won Super Bowls. He's won MVPs. I understand that. But Patrick Mahomes, V lost Sunday. Yeah, you're damn right. He would get zero blame. Patrick Mahomes has not gotten blame for any of the Chiefs' losses in recent memory. It's never been Patrick Mahomes' fault. We talked about the MVS drop against the Eagles. We talked about the MVS drop against the Packers. We talked about the Carrius Tony drop against the Lions. All losses. But not once did I ever hear Patrick Mahomes needs to step up. Because again, he's done it. But let's, we got to be consistent, right? My, my, how narratives change for certain QBs. My, my. And the other one with Lamar. I've defended Lamar a thousand times in this show. Well, let's not try to act like everybody was like, Lamar needs to win now. No one was saying that with Lamar. Everybody for the past like five, six years, five, six, four or five years, has been saying Lamar needs help at wide receiver. Everybody said that. Lamar, to a small, minute population, has needed to prove himself. Lamar doesn't need to prove himself to freaking anybody. We've talked about for years how Lamar Jackson needs a wide receiver. That's why they went out and drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round. That's why they went out and drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. That's why they traded for Nelson Aguilar. That's why they got Sammy Watkins. Every year, new wide receivers are coming in. Because everybody knew Lamar Jackson needs wide receivers. His offensive line was staying healthy. Ronnie Stanley, one of the best left tackles in football when he's healthy, can't stay healthy. Marquise Brown, they drafted him in the first round. Like Everybody talks about how Lamar's needed help. Unless you're stupid or have one brain cell. So I hate how we try to stop. We have to try pulling these cards out because we're trying to get clicks and get attention. It's freaking stupid. Like I heard that on ESPN. Man, Lamar doesn't need, why does Josh Allen need to do this? But Lamar, he gets blasted. No, unless you're stupid. That's the annoying part about all this stuff. It's so stupid. The Ravens have drafted a wide receiver in the first round. Drafted a wide receiver in the first round in 2019, Marquise Brown. They drafted Rashad Bateman in 2021, and they drafted uh, Zay Flowers this year. Lamar Jackson's been in the Ravens since 2018. 
Since 2018, they have used three of their first-round draft picks on wide receivers. And you're going to sit here and tell me that everybody's sitting out here telling me that, oh, Lamar Jackson, he just needs to do it. No one has ever said that. And if they are, they're stupid. Everybody knows that the Ravens' success revolves around Lamar Jackson. I've said a thousand times in this freaking show that Lamar, the Raven, the Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are asked to do more than every other quarterback in the NFL by a wide margin. We've said this a thousand times. So we don't need to try and start getting clicks and start stupid narratives like this. Mahomes gets zero blame 100% of the time. I've never been heard here. I've never heard him get blamed for anything. And I understand why. He's got skin in the game and everything. But when he plays bad, stay consistent. Say he's been playing bad because he was ass this year for his standards. But Josh Allen was ass to a lot of people out there. I had to get into a discussion on saying Josh Allen's better than Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. Like, what? What are we doing here? It's so stupid. It's so stupid. And you know what? Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott will probably finish above in the MVP race. I don't know how, but that's how it's going to be. Oh, my God. I got irritated at the end of the show. That's not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> we're supposed to be light and fluffy towards the end of the show, and we're getting irritated. That's whatever. But, again, I do think the Ravens and 49ers win. I think Lamar Jackson goes on to win the Super Bowl, which is awesome. I'm all for that. Like, everybody knows the Ravens' success revolves around Lamar Jackson. I've never heard anybody unless they're the stupid people. Like, I know some people that have said it. I don't trust their football opinions at all. <laughs> I've never once went to them and wanted to talk football with them because they go like, man, Lamar Jackson needs to prove himself. No one has ever said that. Unless they got three brain cells. Like, come on, man. Seriously. The final thing I want to talk about, though, Kayshawn Booty, who was drafted by the New England Patriots with LSU. I don't know if you saw this. Happened today. Kayshawn Booty placed 8,900 bets in 13 months while he was 20. Underage betting. You want to know what his username was? I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it's funny if it is. He used accounts with the username Kayshawn Booty 7 and Kayshawn Booty 01. He did not try to hide the fact that he was underage betting, but 8,900 bets over 13 months. 17 on NCAA football, these six on LSU. Someone did the math. College Football Reddit did the math on Twitter. 89 bets in 13 months works out to about one bet per hour without sleeping. Do you know how I we like to joke about being degenerate gamblers on here? But do you know how much of a degenerate gambler you have to be to bet 8,900 times in 13 months? You know how insane that is? <laughs> that is so insane. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF, Sean. This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I've seen the videos of, like, Jaden Daniels getting mad at Sean Booty on the sideline with LSU last year. And they were like, <laughs> they're saying uh, he had a six-game part, he had a six-leg parlay going. And he didn't get his catches. <laughs> so he's mad about that. He was definitely, and he dropped the ball for one of his plays. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But, uh. I think that's all we've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you didn't, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time. But, uh, yeah, MVP award should be announced next week or Pro Bowl week. I think that's when it is, NFL Honor stuff. And then we got Rookie of the Year. Probably going to be C.J. Stroud or should be C.J. Stroud. Defensive Rookie of the Year. We got good options here. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable saying Joey Porter Jr. is going to be coming last. But, <laughs> but we got uh, Devin Witherspoon, Beast from Seattle, uh, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and Kobe Turner. So, yeah, Joey Porter's coming last. He shouldn't be on there. It should be Brian Branch. But 
I would bet Will Anderson wins it right now, but we'll do a full discussion over that. And then Coach of the Year gets a good options here. I'd probably say D'Amico. D'Amico won a freaking uh, uh, division title from a team that had the second overall pick and was a win against the Colts away from having the number one overall pick. And they won a freaking division title. And they were expected to be bad this year. And a rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, and they won two. They won a playoff game. Not only won the division, they won a playoff game. So I would give it to D'Amico. Assistant coach of the year, it was funny because it was like McDonald and Monken from the Ravens are both on there. Then you've got Slowick from the Texans. You've got Jim Schwartz is in there. I think Ben Johnson was in there. For assistant coach of the year, I mean, I think D'Amico Ryan's ran away with it last year, right? If you had to give it this year, I mean, Slowick was awesome for the Tex- for the Texans, but Monken was a probably Monken. Maybe Monken, because that the Ravens offense without Lamar was a mess last year. And Greg Roman stinks as an offensive coordinator. So it was, <laughs> it's like unless he like his first year, then he's good. But once you need to once he needs to adapt, he's ass. But probably Monken, one of the Ravens guys probably. Or they're gonna get screwed because you can't have two how do you have two good assists? Like the Cubs when they had three Cy Young candidates and Kershaw won it. It was Arietta, Lester, and Hendricks, and they were like, well, if you have three good aces, you can't have one win the Cy Young, so they gave it to Kershaw instead. Bullshit. And what was the other one? Was there any comeback player? Where's DeMar? It's simple. He came up from the dead. I, that's all I'm going to say about that. But that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time. Uh, make sure to follow Logan Blyman Show on every single form of social media, and I will see you all later. Peace.